0: Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom, but most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you belong let's get started hey I'm grateful to have you with me today I'm your host Michelle Donnelly today's conversation centers around our mission of motherhood but also how that calling looks a little different when it comes to raising our kids as single moms. Also though we're going to be diving into some of the differences of that calling when it comes to raising boys. Versus raising girls. I'm a mom of three. I've got two girls and one boy. And I can tell you that aside from knowing how to parent and disciple their various personality differences, there is also just something so inherently different about raising my son compared to raising my daughters. I'm joined in this conversation by author Rhonda Stoppi. And Rhonda wrote a book called Raising Boys to Be Men. And I don't want you to get scared away by the title, though. This conversation has something for everybody. So whether or not you've got girls, boys, or a mix, she has such a depth of wisdom that I know you're going to absolutely enjoy. As we get started, if you'd like to take notes on this episode and then later give yourself the opportunity to pray and reflect on what you've learned. I want you to have a look down in the show notes. You'll notice something called podcast pages. If you click on that link, you'll be taken to the Agape Moms website, and there you'll find free downloadable podcast journaling pages to give you the opportunity to consider further what God would have for you from this episode. Also down in the show notes, if you are new to the podcast, you'll notice a link a quiz. It's called What's Your Loneliness Type? Loneliness is something that all of us single moms have to deal with, but the reasons why we deal with loneliness are different, and they don't necessarily have that much to do with whether or not we're in a relationship. So if you'd like to learn more about your own experience with loneliness, what's causing it, and then some of the ways out, go ahead and click on that link or head over to agapemoms.com forward slash quiz. Rhonda has such a tremendous heart, not just for mentoring moms, but also for single moms. And that really came through in this conversation. I hope you'll enjoy it. This is my conversation with Rhonda Stoppi. Rhonda, it's so great to have you with me today. Welcome to the podcast.
1: I'm excited to be here.
0: Rhonda, I am so thrilled because I have a boy, I have girls and boys, but I find that raising my son is a little bit of a different thing. And I'm so appreciative for the wisdom that you have in going before me in this and being here today to share some of that perspective. But as far as it comes to raising our kids, whether girls or boys, not to leave out the girl moms, uh, but as it comes to the mother's role... What are things that our kids get from their mother specifically that maybe they don't get from a father?
1: Yes. Today, let's talk about moms in general. I'm a mom of two daughters and two sons, and I have 13 grandchildren and two on the way, and most of them are girls. So don't don't go away if you're not a boy mom. We're going to talk about all of that. Right. Honestly, we have to understand the mission of motherhood to which the Lord has called us. And I, I know when I was a young mom, I was overwhelmed and I knew I wasn't doing a good job. I knew I wasn't the mom I hoped I would be. I wasn't the mom I meant to be. She was fun and she played with her kids and didn't, you know, get upset when they spilled their milk every time, you know, mm-hmm. all those things. But we have to first understand if God's called us to this, he will equip us to do it. And, you know, you meet people that have gone on the mission field. My husband's a pastor. He's been a senior pastor for 20 years. He was in youth ministry for 18 years, which that is the mission field, if you're wondering. Mm. (laughs) But with the ministry that God calls you to, if God called you to a foreign field, how would you respond? First of all, you'd say, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm kind of scared. I'm not equipped. Study the culture. You would study the clothing and you would want to make sure you are dressed like the people that are there. But mostly you'd study God's word and you'd hide it in your heart. And once you got there, you would wake up every day saying, Lord, send me today to who you want me to speak to. Lord, you use me today in the way that you want me. Let me get out of the way. I love what John the Baptist said, you know, that he must increase and I must decrease. Motherhood is a mission field. And any of us that have just watched the last, you know, two years go by, it's nuts in, the, in the, the culture in which we are raising our kids. Mm-hmm. But God's called us this. And we'll say it's the hardest time ever to be a mom. No, it's not. Jochebed had to hide her son Moses for three months so that they didn't throw him in the Nile River and kill him. Every generation of moms have had to face perilous, difficult times. This is our time. And this is what God's called us to. Mm-hmm. And when our kids see us living genuine, real, I need Jesus everyday lives, that genuine walk will be the light that God shines to draw them to want to rely on Christ also. If we just pretend like we have it all together and, you know, like when we mess up, we don't go back and ask them for forgiveness. We just push through or we're gossiping on the phone about somebody or whatever, that hypocrisy in 18 years of youth ministry with my husband, we saw the number one thing that pushed Christian kids raised in a Christian home away from the Lord was hypocrisy in their Christian home. So we have to be genuine. And the normal Christian life is we wake up and we say, I'm going to live for Jesus today. And we mess up and we don't. And we have to go back and ask the people that we wronged to forgive us. We have to ask the Lord, repent and confess our sin and then teach our children. Hey, mommy shouldn't have been talking on the phone. That was sin. And I've asked the Lord to forgive me. And i Call me to forgive me. Will you forgive me? The normal Christian life, we don't want to, our job is not to raise perfect children. Our job is to raise kids that know how to recover when they sin. And that's going to be best if they see us living genuine lives in front of them.
0: Mm, I love what you said there too, as far as we must decrease, that the Lord would increase in our homes. And I think that to me lifts such a burden off of myself to feel like I've got to have this all together I've got to be mom and dad and I think that's the first thing I want to say is you don't have to be the dad that's what God is designed to always be in our homes whether there's two parents or one he's always there to be the father first and foremost and that if we remember though that the more we allow him to be magnified in our homes that our weaknesses actually can be those teaching opportunities as you mentioned to allow God to increase in our homes where we may just feel like we've got one arm strap behind our backs, you know? Well, and he promises to
1: be a father to the fatherless. Mm-hmm. So whether that is because your child doesn't have a father living in the home, or maybe he's in the home, but he's not engaged. Maybe he's traveling. Maybe he's not a believer. Uh, maybe he mocks your Christianity. Maybe he died. Uh, whatever it is, when you understand that God promises to be a father to the fatherless, Wow. I remember a young man that was in one of our youth groups that his dad was a cocaine, you no, know, crack addict. He died from his crack addiction. And I remember telling this young man, you know, God sees and he says he's a father to the fatherless. And this young man was just blown away. And he and he held on to that verse that God would be a father to him when his earthly father had failed him.
0: Mm-hmm. So important for us to remember these things. And I think sometimes what happens to us, Rhonda, is when things go off the rails and they don't go quite right, we start to look at all these ways that we can overcompensate and that we can fill in the gaps or make up for what we've lost or what we've done wrong. And sometimes what that does, though, we force so much control into the thing that we forget that these are God's kids. And we forget that he has a separate intention for how they would grow up and who they would come to be. How can we keep that in check and keep our hearts and minds positioned properly as we approach our kids so that we are letting this thing happen the way that God would have it?
1: Well, it's interesting. My mom was 17 when she had me. I was her second child. And my mom didn't come to Christ until six months before she passed away. I actually led my mother to the Lord in 2016, 2015. And, um, she was my friend. I mean, my mom was the hippest, coolest mom on the block. And, you know, we shared closets and clothes and she was, but we went to church. My dad came to Christ when I was four and my dad became a new creature, creature in Christ. And it was awesome, Mm -hmm. but they had us in church. They had us in youth group. They had us in something called jet cadets. So we memorized a ton of scripture, got awards for all of that. And uh, they even put us in Christian schools at one point, and I know they couldn't afford it. We lived in the San Jose, San Francisco Bay Area, and the schools in the 70s kind of got rough and uh, my dad was done with it. So he worked real hard to put us in a Christian school. All that to say, God raised up godly mentors in my life as a young child when my mom wasn't one. And I love my mom. I'm not trying to bash my mom. She was doing the best she could. Uh, But in her parents were both alcoholics. They were the fun alcoholics. So they were the ones that partied and went all the fun places and they weren't, you know, abusive, but Mm. she was certainly a um, codependent. Mm -hmm. So I'll say God's got this and he can do a work in your kid's life as a result of you or in spite of you.
0: Mm.
1: And I don't know why I'm crying about that. Wow. Because as a mom, we know, we want God to do a work in our kids because of our testimony, because of our witness, because of our love for him, not in spite of it. God is bigger. And if he has a plan for your kids, he can accomplish great things. There's a a section in my book, Moms Raising Sons to Be Men, and it's called Control Freaks Raise Freaks. Mm -hmm. And I love that Because what happens when we as moms see our kids not measuring up to our expectations or uh, not reflecting us the way we think that they should reflect us to our peers? We try to control them to make them more in the image of what we want them to be. And the Bible says, God says, I created you for my glory. And Jesus said, you glorify the Father but we become glory stealers. We raise our kids for our own glory, for what others will think of us. Uh, in my book, Moms Raising Sons, my friend who became a mentor, when Steve and I watched how they raised their kids, that they were just like, I wanna know what you know. And I remember my daughter was four years old and I only had one child at the time and she was skipping through the church on a Sunday after a service. And Vaughn stopped, uh, I said, Shh, you know, stop doing that. And he's like, I kept shushing her. And he said, why do you care? Is it a conviction? Are you feeling like it's wrong for her to frolic in the sanctuary? Because everybody was standing around talking. And um, finally, he pushed me enough that I said, because I don't want people to think I'm a bad mom. Mm. And he said, never raise your kids for what people think of you. And I can't stress that if you get nothing else out of this show, girlfriends, <laughs> never raise your for what people think of you. That is so good. It works for a while, but once your kid figures that out, that leads them to rebellion. This isn't about what's best for me. This is about how you look to your friends. Mm -hmm. It's peer pressure. And, you know, Jesus said the student becomes like his teacher, not like his teacher teaches him to be, but he observes the teacher and he imitates the teacher. Mm -hmm. And if we're, you know, falling for the good peer pressure to make my family look perfect, so that others will think I'm a good Christian, or I've got this single mom thing all together. I am I can handle it. I don't need a man in my life or whatever. But if our kids pick up on that, it will drive them to rebellion. So, so don't be a control freak and find godly mentors in your life. That's what Vaughn and Molly were for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, the value of having someone that observes your life, that's not emotionally involved in your life, that can give you non-emotional judgment of the actions that you're thinking are okay. I would have ruined my kids. Mm. I would have raised them. My husband's a pastor. He's been a pastor for 20 years. I would have raised them for what people thought of him as a pastor and I would have destroyed them, but mm. praise the Lord for the godly mentors that stepped into my life. And that's what
0: you need to. Mm. I love that too, because it just shows where God is intervening in those places where we are maybe going off and we we have a great intention But we're not right on the mark. He makes sure to bring people into our lives. And that's where I have found in this season, I don't have lack. Though my household looks different than I thought it was going to, there are so many other people that God has put into the picture that are making this a really well rounded household for my kids to grow up in, though it is with one parent. And that is just to me such a magnificent testimony of how much God cares about these kids and cares about us, that he would step in and not let us do things in ways that would be damaging to them. As far as stepping back though, Rhonda, and especially as it comes to our boys, this is a difficult thing because I think sometimes in our culture, we've kind of given ourselves a badge of honor for being all over it. And, oh, I wouldn't let my kid do that. And I made sure that they got their homework done. And, you know, like you can just see the head bobbing like as you go, you know. But how do we do this in a way that actually grows our kids and takes our hands off the wheel a little bit? Well, and
1: it's interesting because your son is 10 years old, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So that you're going to start seeing changes. You may have already. Yes. Um, They start selling funky and they get an attitude and you're like, who are you? Mm -hmm. Uh, We have two sons. Our oldest son, Tony, didn't come to our family until he was 15 years old. And I tell Tony's story and mom's raising sons. Um, He was uh, in an abusive family and he ended up in our home. And it's a great story. And my son, Brandon... We were like this. I had two girls, two boys, but me and Brandon were buddies. Like if I took a nap, he'd be like, mama, do you sleep good? Where the girls would be like, you took a nap? Well, what about all this? You should. Do? <laughs> but, but I watched in 18 years of youth ministry alongside of my husband, I watched teenage boys, middle age, middle school age, push their moms away and then moms pull in tighter and the moms try to control that and look at it as rebellion and think, I will just man, you are not going to be one of those kids. But what we have to realize is that men crave respect. Hmm. And for the first decade of your son's life, love the snot out of him. You tell him how much you love him. He's mama's boy. In fact, I have a memory. My son was probably three and he was sucking his thumb, maybe two. And and my dad and my brother were watching him for the weekend or something. And my, my dad said, you papa's boy. And he pulled his thumb out of his mouth and he looked at my dad and he said, I'm mama's boy. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) that's my guy. But all of a sudden, they start getting a little push you away. And it's because men crave respect. So that kitchen floor that he has swept for however long it's been his chore, and all of a sudden it's beneath him, a mom might think that's rebellion. When in reality, Men want to do jobs that they take pride in. They want to look at something that they've accomplished at the end of the day and, and feel rewarded for that. And if we, you know, continue to force that chore, you may push, push them into rebellion. And mm-hmm. I wish there was a coming a man ritual in our culture. I wish they could go on walkabout, pee on a rock, kill the fatted calf, walk on some hot coals. We will call you a man. Good. You're a man. Right. But there isn't. The mm-hmm. only thing is don't be a mama's boy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's that's the hill to die on. So what I say in moms raising sons to be men is if you don't hand them their manhood, they will fight you for it. Hmm. So what does that look like? Yeah. Uh, as As a mom with a dad in the home, my husband finally stepped in and he's like, you don't work for her anymore. You work for me, dude. And he had Brandon dig a ditch from our house to our barn. And it was really far and it was really hard ground. And I fully expected Brandon to be upset Steve home at the end of the day and Brandon was like showing him his blisters on his hands. Look how far I got. He was so excited to show his... And I'm like, the kid won't even sweep a floor for me. What's yeah. happening? <laughs> so, right? So as a single mom, you have to find godly men, godly mentors that connect with your kid in a way, something that they enjoy, something that they love. Um, even as a mom with a husband in my life, we still... Brandon went to work for a friend of ours that had a machine shop and he was um, pretty young. He was probably 14 and he had to clean these nasty machines and they reaped. They were really dirty, Mm. but he got paid for it. And he Mm. saved up money to buy his guitar. And he was so proud of his efforts. And my husband was very like, not easy on the boy, mm-hmm. but he told me, you stay out of it. Don't you rescue him if he doesn't do what I asked him to do. Cause that's what we do as moms. It's like, you know, like I think you said your dad's involved in your son's mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. So there's a grandfather, there's a godly mentor. There's someone in your church, youth pastors. My husband was a godly mentor in the life of so many young men whose dad was not in the picture. Mm-hmm. They, we, we, planted a church in Austin, Texas. We were there for almost six years. And Steve's is a big, huge, burly guy. And we would make hot dogs every Wednesday night because if you feed them, they will come. Mm-hmm. And we had 200 teenagers at our house every Wednesday night. And at first, Steve would hug these boys, these big football players, and they'd kind of... But pretty soon, those boys came in and found Steve to get their hug. And for a lot of them, it was the only hug they got from a man ever. Yeah. So if you're a single mom and you're not involved in a church... You need to start there. The Bible says to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as such is the habit of some and all the more as we see the day approaching. And I got to say, I see the day approaching. Mm -hmm. Having godly youth pastors, children pastors, um, just male role models in the church, expose them to marriages that are healthy and happy. Mm -hmm. I was telling you before we went on the show, I have two best friends that were single moms. They've raised incredibly godly humans that have married well, godly spouses, they're raising their kids, they're serving the Lord. And these women would go on vacation with us. These women would just be with our family. Mm -hmm. And these kids got to see what a husband who loves his wife, a father who loves his children looks like. Mm -hmm. And in fact, Tony, our son, there's a quote in Moms Raising Sons to Be Men that he says something like, I have no doubt, I didn't live with the family that long because he was 15. I have no doubt that it was God's plan for our fa- for me to meet this family and to teach me what it looked like to be a godly father and husband. If you don't, if you're not involving yourself in life, and, and here's the thing: iron sharpens iron. The Bible says when we bump up against other people, sparks will fly. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times you're the single mom, the only single mom in the church. Nobody understands me. Nobody gets how hard this is for me. Keep going. Yes. Keep going. Being there. Or I'm the only single mom in the church, they so don't even care about me. Go anyway. You teach people how to relate to you. Uh, one of my best, best friends, she's been in our church forever. This is a different single mom friend. Um, she's there. She goes to stuff. She doesn't not go because she doesn't have a husband to go with her. She serves in her spiritual gift. Her kids have been a part. That's her church family it is their family. You teach the church how to relate to you and your kids. And then you look around for godly mentors and then ask them, Hey, will you? can I spend time with your family? Can can you spend time with my son? And you're not looking for just a man that calls himself a Christian. You're looking for a man who's Jesus. And that's the secret, not just some you know man that says, yeah, I believe, but somebody who's completely wholeheartedly sold out to Jesus.
0: Mm, so good. And I love that you just put some practical steps to that, Rhonda, because it is true. Very often, we're going to have to step in there and advocate for our kids. We can't sit in the corner and hope that somebody is going to notice us, know what we need, pay attention to us. And yes, it's going to feel awkward. And yes, you're going to feel like I am now putting the big single mom badge on myself and 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 putting myself out there. But if you are in a healthy congregation with healthy people who love Jesus and you say, I need help, they will swoop in like you've never known before and be the hands and feet. But it is a scary process. And it is something that finding your voice in the midst of that. It's terrifying, but the Lord equips us to do it. And He just honors those steps of faith. I've seen that over and over and over again. And it is knowing, though, how do I do this and who should I go to? And I think just a caveat here, I loved also what you said, though, about making sure that we're exposing our kids to healthy marriages and healthy relationships. I think it's, from my experience, extremely valuable that if our children are being mentored, it's by a man who would not potentially be considered a spouse for us. I think our kids Mm -hmm. need to see someone who's perhaps 10 years older than we are is godly and married and that this is a definite mentor relationship so that there's no confusion on the kid's part as far as could this person be my dad someday or anything along those lines, you know, and and sometimes kids just get attached, you know, and they may have those interests already despite your best efforts, but if we're always creating some separation there and doing our best to involve mentors that there could not be that possibility Then it keeps the kid focused on themselves and their relationship with the Lord rather than starting to maybe, quote unquote, fix the situation that they find that they're in.
1: Yeah, that's a good insight.
0: I'd like to take a short break from our conversation to mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available on the go. And it works through an app where you are able to schedule video sessions or just chat with your counselor throughout the course of the week. And i found that having the combination of Christian teaching and counseling together was so encouraging and so healing for me. If you have been considering Christian counseling and you would like to give Faithful Counseling a try, you can get 10% off of your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom. Rhonda, as far as that minimal influence, though, this is something that's been in the Bible having a man grow into a godly man without having maybe the father involved. Would you speak to that some?
1: I love the story of Timothy because his grandmother and his mother, Lois and Eunice, were the influence on him. Paul says to Timothy, it was because of those women that they had already taught you the scriptures and your heart was prepared to receive the gospel when Paul delivered it to him. Timothy became, uh, Paul became Timothy's father in the faith. And Paul wrote letters to Timothy. Paul mentored Timothy. Paul loved Timothy. And he said to him, basically, I'm going to hand to you the very mantle of my ministry, because I'm going to go to my death for the gospel. Now you guard what I have entrusted to you. He raised up this young man and said, I trust that this scripture that I've delivered to you, that you are going to guard it and hand it to the next generation. And for generation after generation after generation, that has been what has been happening with the word of God handed down to the next generation And I love knowing that it wasn't from Timothy who had a godly mom and a godly dad and a wonderful marriage to Mm reflect. Most scholars think that Timothy's father was probably already passed away by the time that Paul came on the scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, But his dad was most likely not a a follower. He was Greek. He wasn't Jewish. Not a follower of of the Jewish God of of Yahweh. Mm -hmm. So he didn't have a godly mentor in his own father or a godly example, I should say, in his own father. But I love that God shows single moms that story. That, and honestly, oh my word, when God gets a hold of the heart of a young man like that, there's no stopping them. And that's the amazing thing to watch him do. uh, If you're in ministry at all, watching how, you know, sometimes it's just paying attention if you are in ministry, helping those single moms network with other families. They feel kind of on the outskirts. They feel left out. They're not sure where they fit they're widowed or they're divorced and the big D's on their chest. And they feel mm-hmm. like, you know, don't know the whole story of how come I'm divorced. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I should explain myself or make excuses right. for myself. And you don't have to tell your whole story. That's not, that's not necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like, you know, Jesus said, protos, the priority of life is Mark chapter 1230 to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Number one key to being a good mom, being a great woman of God, woman of faith, a woman who contributes in her, in her church and in her community is to fall in love with the Lord mm. with all of your heart. That's your emotions. How do you fall in love with somebody with all of your soul? That's who you are. With all of your mind, that's your thoughts. And then with all of your strength, that's with what you do. But what we do is we jump in and want to fall in love with God by showing how much we love by what we do. Let me go mm-hmm. work in the nursery. Let me go, you know, serve in this capacity Do do and we get burned out we don't get appreciated. So we leave and go to another church that's going to appreciate all the hard work that we've been doing. And maybe somebody else will you know, tell me, thank you. But if we haven't fallen in love with God, with all of our heart and soul, which comes through our mind, God reveals his character through the pages of scripture. How can I fall in love with him and trust him? Unless I'm reading those stories that you know so well, don't look at what did David do? What did uh, Abraham do? What did God do? In fact, mm-hmm. I started several years back in my Bible, reading through the Bible in a year, just in the margin, write God's ways, God's character, God's mercy, God's providence, God's sovereignty. Those are him saying, this is me. You can trust me. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things in 2020, which has been nuts, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I kept coming across in the Old Testament as I was reading through the Bible in a year was this phrase, And the turn of events was from the Lord. Hmm. And the events that he allowed were not good events. They were Mm -hmm. out of control and they Mm -hmm. were harmful to the nation of Israel. And it didn't make me feel good. But yet looking at the world that we're living in right now, if God is truly in control and he is being able to rest in the turn, the turn of events is from the Lord and I can trust him. Mm -hmm. As you reflect that type of love to God, which takes all your worth. It takes being in the word daily, washed with the water of the word, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, repenting of your sin. God, search me and show me my sin because I'm going to blame everybody else every single time. I want my heart to be pure so that I can walk in that joy, that zeal, that love for Jesus. And when you're doing that, the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Then Jesus love spills out of you onto your kids. And it's a love that is selfless. It's not a love for how your kids make you feel about yourself and the effort you're putting forward because they're going to never appreciate it. So when you're, maybe when they have kids, when they have kids, they'll come back and go, oh, Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. but falling in love with Jesus was probably the number one thing that my mentors taught me by inviting me to a Bible study. We went through the book of Philippians and it transformed me. And it changed the way I related to my kids. It related the way I related to my spouse, the way I related to people in the church. It transformed me. And the word of God is quick and powerful, and it's sharper than a sword, and it will transform you. And it'll show you the thoughts and intents of your own hearts. And then you can lay them bare before the Lord. And then you can get victory over those anxieties or fears or whatever it is that's holding you back. And you can run long and hard after Jesus.
0: I appreciate what you said too about the turn of events because Paul does commend Lois and Eunice for their faith. And we don't know what the turn of events was, but as you mentioned, if Timothy did not have a God-fearing father, at least not the God of the Hebrews essentially, but if he did not, he was not raised up with a godly example, it could have been through this turn of events that actually was the way through his mother and grandmother that Timothy was able to learn about God and begin on that faith journey. And so we can't minimize our own faith journey in helping our kids to discover God because they do so much, as you mentioned, by just watching the teacher. And if we just put ourselves in that role and say, okay, if, if I want my kids to pick up all the things that I'm doing, if I don't yet know how to teach it to them, that's okay. Like I can grab a mentor who might be able to help do that. But if I'm at least just pouring into my own relationship with God, that just pours out and over in the way that we treat them, in the way that we communicate, in the way that we deal with discipline. It's just all over the board. It's not necessarily that, oh man, I have to know how to sit down with my kids at the table now and know how to lead them in a devotional. There's so much that just comes from your own walk and the things that you point out along the way. But if we're being shaped by that, Rhonda, how does that look in the way that we would discipline, especially as it comes to our sons? You talked about respect being a big part of our relationship with our sons, and discipline and communication might look a little differently, given that that's the case.
1: Uh, It's interesting, and I've got a thousand things going in my head right now. So let me just pull them all in. Yep. First (laughs) of all, um, talk to him like he's a man. I I remember when Brandon, my son Brandon's story. I'm going to back up and tell that, and then we'll. Well, I'm going to chase a rabbit and I'll be back sure. <laughs> uh, when he was old, we moved to Austin, Texas, and he started having seizures and they were uh, severe. He had to be heavily medicated. The little athlete that I had expected him to become, he was stoned. He just didn't want to do anything. Uh, we had praise band practice in our home every Wednesday night after youth group because we met in a school. This was back when nobody was doing that 20, 30 years ago, uh, but he would sit behind these different instruments and he could play and one day I, he had a severe seizure and I went up in my room and I was crying and I was like, God, I quit. I'm done. How can you not heal our boy when we're serving you? Our house is being trashed for Jesus and these kids are coming to Christ and you can't heal my boy. I quit. But Psalm 119, it says, if you hide God's word in your heart, you won't sin against him. And in that moment of my weeping and feeling betrayed by God for not doing what I thought he should do. The still small voice of the spirit, not an audible voice, but the word of God that quickened my heart was in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And I'm like, nope, I can't even think of what could be good about this. He was on special ed at school. He was Mm -hmm. just stoned. Mm -hmm. But I know this is you speaking to my heart. I will say thank you with my lips, but you are going to have to change my heart. And over time, we started seeing Brandon develop into this musician. We put him in, he played a guitar, he played the saxophone, he played the cello, he played the piano, he played the drums, he sings. My husband's like, I have never met someone who thinks in music theory like this little boy does. And slowly, God revealed to us as it dawned on us, God was raising up our son and the the medication that he was on that kept him from being the athlete that I had hoped he would be. Was what was actually raising him up to be a musician. I wanted to hear the crowd glory in my son's accomplishments as he ran one down the field or hit one out of the park. But God got this mama out of the way, hmm. and He said, "I'm going to raise your son up." He didn't say this audibly. This is what I've observed. Right. I was still like, I have to. Say, I could, people are like, does He actually talk to you? And it's like, pay attention to what's going on. Hmm. Um, That God wanted. I wanted the crowd to glory in my son's accomplishments, and God was like, I want your son to bring the crowd to glory in my son's accomplishments through worship. Mm-hmm. Brandon's grown up a worship pastor. He has toured with some amazing Christian bands and he has a heart for the Lord. But what if I'd walked away? What if I had shaken my fist and said, I'm done? And I know in all the years I've been in ministry, I've watched moms do that. We get mad because God does something that we think he shouldn't have done to our kid. And we walk away. Well, if you're his, you'll come back. But at what cost? If you think of the story of David's mom in the Bible, we don't even know her name, which I don't even understand. Why can't we not know David's mom's name? I feel like that's we should know her name. Anyway, she, her son went to take food to his brothers who were getting taunted by Goliath. And they were like, he's like, I'll fight him. He's 17 years old. I'll fight him. I'll fight him right now. And Saul puts his armor on him and it's too big and he takes it off. But what does David say? This is key. God gave me victory over a lion and over a bear. I know he will give me victory over this giant. Time out. He was only 17 when he said that. That means this little shepherd boy battled a bear and battled a lion when he was younger than 17 years old. Where was his mama? Mm-hmm. She wasn't <laughs> fighting the battles for him. Mm-hmm. And she also, and, and that's where I would have been like, babe, he doesn't work for you anymore. If the first time the battle came, the bear came, I'm like, uh uh-uh, uh, get a servant because he's staying home.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: we rescue our kids from the very trials that God is using prepare them to fight Goliath. It's hard, It's but that's why I wrote Moms Raising Sons to Be Men. That's why I pour into the lives of moms. By the way, I have a summer book club called Moms Raising Sons Book Club. I'm going on once a week and just talking through each chapter of the book, just to mentor, it's a free book club, uh, just to mentor moms because you can hear from my story and then you can apply those principles because trials are going to come.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, take my story my daughter, Meredith, was probably in junior high or high school at the time when that happened. A decade later, she's graduated from Bible college and she went to the master's university in Southern California. She's married to her husband They're living on campus. He's going to seminary um, and they have their second baby after having ectopic pregnancies and a whole bunch of miscarriages. And my daughters have real struggles with infertility. And um, we have eight grandbabies in heaven. So I understand for some of you that are listening, but- when Ivy was born, we were so ready for this baby to be here. And Jake stopped us and said, hang on, something's wrong with Ivy. And we're like, what do you mean? She had facial cranial deformities. She has something called golden heart syndrome. Not at all expected anything to be wrong with her. And as the time went on, I went to visit Meredith. She couldn't nurse. She had a cleft palate, cleft lip, cleft eyelid. And, and, mm-hmm. and Meredith pumped. And you know, she said, the least I can do is give her my milk. So for a year, Meredith pumped and gave mm-hmm. her a bottle that way. But I went to check on Meredith. and said, how are you doing? And she goes, mom, this is Ivy's trial. And God has called us to equip Ivy for this trial. Okay, now time out. What if a decade earlier, I had shook my fist and walked away from God who let my little boy have epilepsy? Mm -hmm. What would that have taught my daughter? Because he was equipping Meredith to battle her own giant Mm -hmm. years later. Wow. You just got to stay in it to win it. You got to surround yourself with people that have walked the path ahead of you and know that God causes all things to work together for good. And I'm not being trite by that. I am saying he causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and walk according to his purpose. If you walk away, he'll draw you back. If you're his, he's not going to let go of you, but at what cost?
0: Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing and what you're saying, Rhonda, is that each of us in a family has an individual walk and an individual journey, but they intersect and there's lessons of God's faithfulness, but also the things that he would discipline us in, in just interacting together and being sensitive to that journey, our journey as parents, our kids' journey individually and collectively. And I don't think I've ever really considered parenting in that way before, that I'm just starting to now recognize what it is to equip my kids through disappointment. And as much as I think in our culture, we want to protect our kids from disappointment, but that if they can experience these disappointments and find God in them, that that is truly an equipping and a resiliency that we're instilling in them later on. But it's not comfortable and it's not easy. So talk about that though. Where What does that look like in your faith walk as you're watching these things happen?
1: You know, uh, it's interesting because Nehemiah, when he went back to build the wall and the people that were foreigners that were accusing them of, you're doing this so you can rebel against the king. Backing up, it's interesting that Artaxerxes is the one that gave them permission to go back and build. Artaxerxes was the, was the stepson of Esther. Isn't that a trip? Mm-hmm. Esther, who rescued her people, Artaxerxes, she didn't give birth to Artaxerxes. They think most of the, that Vashti did. But scholars say that possibly the reason that Artaxerxes had such a heart for the Hebrew mm-hmm. people was because mom, Esther. Mm. Isn't that cool?
0: Yeah, Not in the well. Bible,
1: it's in the Bible <laughs> scholars, but it's too cool. I got goosebumps just talking about it. <laughs> See, stepmom? stepmoms can have an incredible influence. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Mm-hmm. So where was I going with that? Oh, so Nehemiah goes back and they're building the wall and these people are saying, you know, they're accusing them. What advice does Nehemiah give the people? They're building with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. Mm-hmm. And he says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah 8.10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. When my uh, husband was I'm almost out of time, aren't we? Hmm. Steve shattered his hip. And uh, he, Brandon almost was 18 years old when it happened. They were on a dirt bike camping trip together. And it was a big deal. And through all of that, the Lord just kept impressing on my heart. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Fight for joy. Fight for joy. And your kids see that. Life is filled with things that happen that we don't like. And if they don't experience it in your home and see that you still trust God, they're going to have to experience it outside of your home. And they're not going to know, especially if they believe in a prosperity doctrine that says, Oh God wants you to always be healthy, wealthy and prosperous and just name it and claim it and blab it and grab it. And if you don't have it, it's because you don't have enough faith to try harder. False doctrine. Mm -hmm. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Trials come. Jesus said, don't think it don't, don't get all what's the word. I can't think of the verse. Think it not strange when these various trials come upon you, they're going to, But your kids are going to learn more from how you walk through a trial than if you keep them in a bubble and they never experience a trial.
0: Uh, Fight for joy. Such a great reminder. Love that. Thank you, Rhonda. As we are running short on time, and I'm so sad about this because I'm just like drinking from the well right now. (laughs) But as we are getting ready to close here, I ask every guest the same question at the end of the conversation, and it is. If there's just one more thing that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be?
1: You're not alone. We see you. We're praying for you. I am Moses on the mountaintop with Aaron and her holding my arms up in intercession for you. I'm 60 years old. I turned 60 in May and I have lived long enough to know that God uses single moms if they press in in spite of that they don't have the perfect little life that they hoped that they would have. If Jesus becomes the lover of their soul, Oh God will light a fire in you and in your children that far exceeds the life of a status quo Christian family where mom and dad are both married and they just do their thing. And they just kind of live through life and they don't have to hang on to Jesus for every morsel that comes their way because dad has a great job or whatever. Uh, and fight for joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Mm,
0: So good. Thank you so much, Rhonda. Tell listeners about your book, your resources, and how they can follow along with you.
1: I have a lot of books. Moms Raising Sons to Be Men. I'm going to tell you this one too, because it's really fun. Real Life Romance, the four they're just standalone love stories and the four in the back are my kids love stories the one in the front is mine and steve's Uh, it's like chicken soup for the soul only romance but it's christian romance and it's celebrating god's providence and sovereignty and knitting hearts and lives together Mm -hmm. as moms we're like i want my kids to walk in purity i want them to marry and i want them to especially single moms if your marriage didn't go well Mm -hmm. uh, it's a fun you know your teen your tween can read it but mom's raising sons to be men uh, it's now available on audio. Christian Audible picked it up on uh, March 2021. I'm super excited about that. Go to my website, no regretswoman.com. Sign up for my newsletter. And you can also visit me on Facebook. Uh, the group is Moms Raising Sons Book Club. We're doing that through the summer. Love to have you join us. There's like 340 people in there, but I'm trying to just create a community of moms that far exceeds just that group. And they support each other, pray for other, encourage each other.
0: Fantastic. And I will have links available in the show notes to make it easier for the listeners to just jump right on there and access all of those resources. But thank you so much. It was just been such a treat sitting down with you today. I loved it. If you enjoyed my conversation with Rhonda, I've got a couple more in mind that I think you'll really enjoy. Check out episode 66 with my good friend, Dr. Tim Kimmel, Responding to Your Kids' Need for Freedom, or have a listen to episode 59, Meet Your Kids' Spiritual Needs, also with a sweet friend, Elizabeth Lee from Ministry to Parents. As we wrap up today's episode, I do want to point out a couple of resources available in the show notes. The first is our private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Going through the issues and things that we're dealing with as single moms in community is so valuable. And so if you'd like to join the Facebook group, all you have to do is search for Agape Moms on Facebook at Agape Moms, and then click on the groups tab there and submit a request to join the group. Likewise, if you would like to follow along with Agape Moms on Instagram, you can search for us at Agape Moms. Additionally, I now have a weekly video guided scripture meditation available for every episode of the podcast. And if you subscribe to the Agape Moms YouTube channel, you will receive notifications when those videos become available. And it's just a great way to start off your day with some encouragement from God's word and apply some of the things that we're learning here on the podcast. I also want to thank you for your subscriptions, your rankings, your reviews. It's so encouraging to me to see what God is doing in your life and to see Him on the move, but it also helps other women to be drawn in to just what God has for them here as well. And as you move through the rest of your day or your evening, I just pray that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.